Anyway, let's stop bickering. Let's stop bickering. Let's get into it. Right, Jamie. Hi, Matt. I want to start with a quote this week. Go on, then. Only those who will risk going too far can possibly find out how far they can go. Wait, that's T.S. Eliot. The Interplanetary Podcast. The exploration of space for the benefit of all mankind. Your hosts here in London, Matthew Russell and Jamie Franklin. T.S. Eliot, but uh, it was recently quoted by Buzz Aldrin in his op-ed in The Hill. That's a beauty. We'll get on to that story, Morning Glory, later on. That's the kind of quote, Matt, that you find embroidered in, in the hallway of someone's home. Or is it, I think it's too dangerous for that. Maybe an astronaut's home. Or, or may, I might have it as a tattoo. Because like I'm a across, maverick. Across my face. <laughs> so I went too far. So if you'd like to donate to Matthew's face tattoo, please send us your money. I'm not going to do that, Jamie. No. I think it's irresponsible and would look horrible. So, Matt, what's mm. been happening in the world of space? Well, one story I really, really liked, only because there, there's so much here, is the um, New Horizons. Remember New Horizons when it flew past Pluto a couple of years ago? Uh-huh. Uh, quite, quite. In fact, almost the anniversary of it, and then they sent it off to this other Kuiper Belt object called two. 2014 MU69. Of course, the 2014 means it was discovered then. MU69, yes. and they don't really know much about it other than it's a reasonably big body in the Kuiper Belt, and it gets there a bit depressingly, and uh, doesn't get there until January the first, 2019. Ugh. Because it's That's actually, ages. well, it's another billion miles further out than Pluto. Yeah, it's quite <laughs> it's, a way. It's quite a way and it's still in the Kuiper Belt. We've been down this route before, haven't we, where it's just we like have. How, how goddamn big is the solar yeah. system. It's, it's, and we're not, uh, yeah, and we haven't even got to the Oort cloud. Let's don't even it's talk. It's big. It's big. <sighs> so, uh, yeah, but what they've been trying to do recently is use occultations, which means that the... Um, Isn't that like the, um, black magic? It's not like black magic, although when I tell you how they've done it, it actually does seem like black oh, magic, I have to say. Okay. But it's basically when this when this Kuiper Belt object moves in front of stars in the background, you, you're able to get a little bit of information from it, obviously because you've got the, the, the light shining from behind it. You can maybe mm. even see the shape of this thing. So obviously this is phenomenally difficult because... A, a bit like that, you know, the solar eclipse that we've got coming up soon in America. Yeah. Obviously, there's, there's only a thin track where you get total eclipse that goes across America, and mm. that's pretty hard to work out when it's just the moon travelling in front of the sun. But when it's a, a, an object in the Kuiper Belt, billions of miles away, going in front of a tiny, tiny pick prick of light uh, and you'll be able to work out what's going on around it is quite important because obviously when this when the spacecraft does a flyby it doesn't want to crash into some kind of little moon of this object or some tiny asteroid so it's quite important but it's but it's i can't believe how hard it is to do this do you ever think that we'll get to the stage where there'll be a news reporter reporting on a a flyby and it will be like a drive-by. Well, as in someone flew past a space colony and shot someone. Just, yeah, just open and fired with lasers and stuff. Well, yeah. Well, Star Wars is a documentary, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's already, it's already happened in a galaxy far, far away. Yeah, I love it. Um, but get get this. So these occultations were measured with 50 telescopes 
along the ground trying to sort of capture this moment where the uh, asteroid goes in front, I'm not even saying, uh, this Kuiper Belt object goes in front of this star. That's a lot of telescopes. Uh, It's a lot of telescopes. And imagine the organisation of that. Uh, And they managed to get quite a bit of information, but they didn't actually capture the object itself going in front of the star, just the surrounding material, say. So they got quite a lot of uh, stuff from that. And mm. then a second uh, occultation, they they used SOFIA. Have you ever seen SOFIA, the tele- this telescope? No, can't say so, I have. Oh, my God, it's, it's one of the coolest things ever. So, like, they've got this massive Boeing jumbo jet, and they've cut a, a, cut a hole in the side of it, and they've mounted a telescope in that, so they can fly this telescope... A, a, a 2.5 meter telescope up into the uh, up into the upper atmosphere in on this you know jumbo jet and uh, use it to do like pretty fantastic um, astronomy, including this. So they use this on this second. They use that to try and get even more information about the uh, about the object that they're going to. And then on the 10th of July, they had a really successful one where they used 24 telescopes across Argentina, which of course is where this uh, track of um, occultation was going across. Mm. They used 24 telescopes there and the Hubble telescope, and they actually managed to observe the object this time as it transited in front of the star for a fraction of a second. And uh, and it looks like this object's really, really exciting because it might be a binary object. Whoa. So two objects touching each other or in orbit with each other. So everyone's very, very excited about this new Kuiper Belt object and how brilliant... I mean, how exciting were New Horizons pictures of Pluto in the first place, but this one might actually be even more exciting. It might be just extraordinarily weird by the time what it gets What do you think there. it is, Matt? I think it's going to be a, uh, an alien spacecraft that's parked outside of the solar system. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is the that, logical that be, explanation. Be, yeah, exactly. That is <laughs> that's 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 the probable answer. Yeah. So, uh, and obviously, the, the mission scientist said uh, the new finding is simply simply spectacular. The shape of MU69 is truly provocative and could mean another first for New Horizons going to a binary object in the Kuiper Belt. This was Alan Stern. I could not be happier with the occultation results, which promise a scientific bonanza for the flyby. Cool, I haven't heard that word for a while. Yeah, I used to. I used to enjoy watching bonanza, but that Do remember, really does. What, do you remember Johnny Briggs? My age, Johnny Briggs. Yeah, yeah the, <laughs> yes. Didn't didn't he always used to say? Wasn't it his brother who always used to say bonanza? Oh uh, yeah. Oh my god! That just that just flashed into my head. And Gene That's the kind Boat. of memory I've got. Yes. Wow. Yeah. We're, we're going back a long way. We have just we are going back a long way. Both betrayed our age. That was the theme tune for for all our American listeners who were wondering what, what the, the hell, hell I'm going on about. It was a it was a, a good children's tune, TV program about um. Johnny that little Briggs. boy in his, his life up, up north, north of England. Bonanza. Uh, <laughs> so let's get back to the Buzz Aldrin story from the earlier yeah. quote. So Buzz Aldrin wrote a piece in The Hill, which I, I think 
presumably is to do with Capitol Hill, so it's like a Washington mm. newspaper perhaps, but it's uh, online, thehill.com, and he wrote a, a piece about how we must get back to Mars. Very interesting, again, how the push has now gone back to the moon. Everyone is talking about the moon. It is clear now, I think, we're going back to the moon, and that, that's the next step. Mars Absolutely. is a long way off. Here we come, moon. But he was basically saying uh, that the effort, you know, obviously he was really proud of the Apollo program, but it's time we sort of knuckled down for the next big thing. And he was really, really pleased about the National Space Council. As uh, David Baker was saying, he was sort of saying what a, what a good thing that is, what a positive step that is. Uh, but he was also saying how we need to work with China because the Americans aren't allowed to work with China. But And, and I think he's sort of saying we should definitely try and sort that problem out because it was embarrassing being at a global space conference uh, everyone being there except the americans because china are there and they're not allowed to talk to them so it's like he's saying the national space council should basically position themselves to be the leader of uh, of a partnership between all space capable nations to get to mars which basically he's saying first of all let's go to the moon do that and also try and sort out what's eating up all the NASA budget. So everything that's getting spent on SLS and Orion and all that, he was saying we need to sort it out because it's billions of dollars and we've got no money to do anything else. Really need to sort it out. It seems mental that, that that's still <laughs> happening. Yeah, so I yeah, I wonder what he means by that. I mean, does he mean drop that program and 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 partner up with everyone else to get to the to get to the moon and do the deep space gateway and all that? So yeah, that's that's quite interesting. Mm. He's saying that on the fiftieth anniversary of the first Apollo landing, which will be two thousand and nineteen, of course, quite uh, quite again this time in two years' time, uh, he wants uh, whoever the president is to commit to an occupation of Mars with international crews through US leadership. Yes. Uh, which is where that quote came in, you know, only those who risk going too far. That is great. Do it. Let's just do it. Yeah, let's just get our hands dusty. Moon Good dusty. on you. Good on you, Buzz. Good on you. Well done, sir. Well done. So, Curiosity Rover, on the night of August the 5th, i.e. today, landed in Gale Crater. Yes, oh, five down. I can't believe that's five years ago. That is, that is literally doing my mind crazy. in. How, how many miles do you reckon it travelled through space to get there? Well, it's got to be around the 352 million mark, isn't it? 352 million <laughs> miles. Gosh, almighty. And it, yeah, landed in Gale Crater, of course, using the... Um, using the... Uh, what's the name? It'll come to you. Keep going. It, well, the sky crane. So hey. use the, the sky crane. Oh, and, and what's really weird about the sky crane is that it used a part from the space shuttle. This this pressure regulator from the space shuttle was hmm. sort of oh let's take that bit out and use it in the uh, old sky crane. So yeah, a bit of the space shuttle landed the uh, Curiosity rover on Mars. That is nice. That is kind of kind of romantic. That yeah. So what's what, what's Curiosity Rover done? What was it? What has Curiosity Rover ever done for us? Sanitation, dams, <laughs> <laughs> legal system. No, none of those things. None of those. <laughs> it's a none of those things. But it did fire its ChemCam a few days chem after cam. landing. ChemCam, which is like a laser that fires into rocks and then uses spectrum analysis to work out what the rocks are made of. That's, that's hmm. pretty cool, isn't it? it took Love eight that. years to build. 
<laughs> so that imagine is. how yeah, imagine how excited the scientists who built that were when it when it fired oh, for the first time and worked. Awesome. I mean, I mean, it's like being rattled around in a spacecraft, gone through 350 million miles of space, then gone flying down on the sky crane, bashed down onto the red planet, and it still works. This like ridiculously sensitive piece of equipment. It's just unbelievable. Imagine <laughs> if it didn't work. Imagine uh, how gutted you'd be if you were the scientist leading up a team of people that worked for eight years. Well, that's kind to of what's happening. Yeah, that's kind of what's happened with the <sighs> drill. So the drill was used a few months after landing for the first time. Mm. And again, it showed lots of signs of a, of a wet world, a previous wet world. Uh, uh, but it's stalled now. The dr- drill stalled in 2016. Uh, and seven months later, NASA is still trying to fix the thing. They think they might mm. be able to find a, like a workaround because what, it's what, the mechanism that actually pushes the drill bit into the rock. They think they might be able to use the arm to do it, but it's one of those things you can't just sort of just try it out because if it goes no, wrong and you wreck the rover, that's right. it. It's gonna, it's like, imagine like, yeah, use the arm and it goes down and the whole rover tips over because it... <laughs> imagine the stares that you yeah. would get if you were the yeah, one be like, um, that. Uh, guys, uh, <laughs> come look at this photo. What, what is yeah. it? It's an upside-down rover. No! Oh, God. So it's got lots of other yeah. things on. It's got lots of other things on the on the rover, like the shaming, the chemistry and mineralogy uh, sample analysis machines, and things like that. And and they've basically they've they've pretty much dug up tons and tons of science. A lot of it to do with uh, what lakes and streams there were on Mars. Yeah, absolutely. Before. Which, as we know from previous episodes, that water it's the gas station of the galaxy. Yeah, uh, but 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 water on Mars was there for such a long time that 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 you had lakes that had different types of sediment and mm. uh, and it you know so there's there's a really good chance that microbes actually uh, sprung up. Well, no, I just no idea what the chance is, and I don't think anyone else does. But it's really tantalising chance that uh, life sprung up on Mars as well, and maybe panspermia uh, gave rise to life on Earth. Who knows? This is uh, what I think. Yeah. It's definitely what I think. Yeah, and then you've got yeah. uh, r- radiation. So uh, all the time, um, you've, Curiosity Rover's been measuring the radiation to see how bad it would be for humans living on Mars. So and it worked out that there'd be just over one sievert of radiation during an 860-day Mars mission, which includes the flight there and the flight back. One sievert. Uh, one sievert. And the European Space Agency limits its astronauts' lifetime exposure to one sievert, which which causes a 5% increase in lifetime risk of fatal cancer. NASA's is, is a slightly... Un, unusually, NASA's is uh, slightly more stringent at 3%. But they're sort of saying, you know, this this is a man, obviously a manageable number. So uh, people going to Mars increase their risk of getting cancer, but it's not, you know, by the same amount of say eating, drinking loads of eating loads of red meat. Say, let's just go exactly. With that. I'd take those risks. I'm definitely taking the risks. You know what I mean? Well, one of it's the like... coolest uh, one of the coolest pictures ever that is the one that it took of a meteorite which they've called Lebanon. So, yeah, as Curiosity trundled along, it found a meteorite. Um, why have they called it Lebanon, out of interest? Do you know what? I have no idea. Is it because the scientist was from Lebanon? Well, maybe it looks like the Lebanon, 
because it's quite it's it's a weird shape. Right, listeners, if anyone knows, hmm. please uh, tweet in voice. or yeah, tweet it in. Uh, tweet email it in. in. I'd be really intrigued to know that. Hello, listener. If you're listening to me, tweet the answer in. There we go. I've whispered <laughs> in that <their> ear. <laughs> Heavy metal. Heavy metal. I found an iron meteorite on Mars. That's the voice of Mars Curiosity itself on Twitter. That's what it sounds like. Yeah, yeah. it is. If you ever wondered what uh, Mars Curiosity sounds like, it is that. You know, you know what we haven't spoken about this week. Uh, well, what do I need to get a drink ready? SpaceX. Ah, Elon Musk drink. Drink. Ah. So launching last new first generation Dragon cargo ship. Yeah. So that's it. So they, they, they. I guess they. What they're saying here is that they've finished building the um, the Dragon One. They, they're not going to build anymore. They're just going to use reused That's ones. That's mm. so. Don't know what point they'll start uh, phasing out the reused ones because Dragon Two uh, should start flying in the first half of next year. So yeah. Um, so yeah. That, that's it. Now we they've so to concentrate on actually building Dragon Two. They're just not going to make the Dragon One anymore, and all the Dragon Ones going up to the space station are going to be like the last one that went up that was just reused. What are they going to do with them? Keep reusing them, I guess. They're just not going to make any more. They're not going to make any more. Once, they, once they've reused them and Dragon 2 has taken over the whole inventory of launches, then I guess mm. they'll, get, they'll get sent to various museums, perhaps. Maybe. We'll, oh, my God, how cool would that be, having a dragon in, love, the, in the I'd science museum to here? i see that. Right, I'd I'm going to write a letter to the science museum. To see that. Say, we need a dragon. We need a dragon in the science museum. Yeah. Exactly. Oh wow, that's quite, that's actually quite cool, isn't it? <laughs> I'll tell you what is cool, Matt. Virgin yes. Galactic is oh, cool. Oh yes. Do you know? Did I ever tell you that I once applied to be cabin crew on Virgin Galactic? No. This I was didn't. probably about it's probably about five years ago, <clears throat> and the news came out that well, when when did how long's Virgin Galactic been a thing? Well, five years ago is when I noticed it. Anyway. Well, and, yeah. Well, um, I mean, it's at least ten years. This, yeah. 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 And and there was a thing online that said, you know, you can apply to to be part of the crew. And I don't mean crew as in, you know, astronaut or the scientist. I mean the someone serving you your your hot chocolate. Oh, your, you'd be so good at that. Imagine I'd be that. well good at that. Yeah, and as you hand out your drinks, you could say, I, I'm, I'm also, you may have heard of me, I'm, I'm Jamie from the Interplanetary Podcast. Oh, my God, I'm so oh, nervous. Oh. <laughs> and I'd say yes. Uh, and if you look to your left... You will see the Kuiper Belt, and if you look to your right, you will see gangs of small children slaves on Mars. <laughs> maybe not. Maybe it doesn't. I don't think it's going to go quite that far. Um, no. But yeah, I'd have loved that. And do you know what, Matt? Didn't even get a reply. No way. No reply at all. They've they've got you on a database. They haven't. Maybe they haven't started interviewing you. Cheers, so Brano. Now you might get a letter. Two thousand and four, by the way, is when it was. Um... Oh, there we go. God, it was quite a while ago. Why are you talking about Virgin Galactic? Well, Spaceship 2 flight test. And, Matt, yes. it's a successful one. Yes, it certainly was. They tested quite a few things. and uh, this actually... Tested ship with different centre of gravity. Yeah. Conducted nitrous dump. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. While still attached to White Knight 2. Or I like to call also it as tested WK2. the feather system. Do you know what the feather system is, Matt? Yeah, well, the feather system's the really important bit. It's the bit mm. where it comes comes back in like a shuttlecock. This was the sixth glide flight 
the Spaceship Two Unity, and the Thirty Six of the program. Yeah, and and I think that I think that what they're saying this might be the last glide test, and if it is the last glide test, um, then it's quite likely they might have a sort of powered flight test uh, in the next next month or so. So it That's and so, so that was really exciting because that, that might mean that Spaceship Two will be flying into space before the end of this year. When he says flying into space, I assume that he means not above manned. the cut. Uh, uh, yeah, manned because because it's got two pilots. Sorry, not manned. I mean with passengers. Not with passengers. No, it's, it's right. going to go up obviously uh, with the two pilots uh, and go above the Kármán line. It's not going to mm. go into orbital space, though. It's just going to get into space so that you can, you know, see the thin blue line. Awesome. Gonna, well, gonna be good pretty luck, awesome. sir. Yeah. Good luck, sirs. Good luck, Virgin Galactic. Uh, talking of job applications, Jamie. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, there's the uh, planetary protection officer job going, I've noticed, on uh, LinkedIn at the moment. Uh, very really? exciting, yes. Uh, so you can be the planetary protector uh, it's a job going, NASA, planetary protection well, officer, i.e. guardian of the galaxy. And this one, one young boy oh, yes. one young boy applied and you know, sweetly put that he was a guardian of the galaxy and uh, got a reply back. I think he was nine or something. He got a reply back from NASA. And they said, uh, yeah, you've got to stop things like microbes from the moon coming back and infecting us all. I was thinking that's that a, is, uh, so. Or, or, NASA have admitted there's microbes on Moon. Uh, that's that oh. will be the new that will be the new conspiracy theory because essentially. Whereas I can already hear evidence. Alex Jones now. Oh yeah, and he goes. It's in this NASA letter. It even says so. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's landing on Earth and it's turning the frogs gay. <laughs> Did you ever see uh, that one? No. No, oh, I didn't. God, I'll send you a link. Absolutely brilliant. Just gold. Oh, my gosh. I, uh, quickly, I, I saw a brilliant article by Eric Berger, our favourite space journalist. Oh, Love one of our, yeah. Eric Berger. Uh, and he, it was about small rockets and big dreams. The space, the race to space heats up. And it's about all these new small rocket systems that are fin- finally coming to age. And so obviously it that was it was I think I guess he was writing it because Vector Space had just launched their second successful suborbital test of their tiny rocket that's uh, yeah. uh and of course in the wake of Rocket Lab doing the same thing from New Zealand and that uh, Vir- back to Virgin they've uh, they they're just flying their uh, 747 Aircraft, which is called Cosmic mm. Girl, which is the seven four seven that they're going to, that they've basically modified so that they can launch rockets from the bottom of it, and it's called Launcher One rocket. We haven't seen the actual rocket itself, but it looks like they're going to be flying from that in the first half of two thousand and eighteen wow. as well. So it's a Cosmic busy time Girl. for Virgin, isn't it? Sounds so, like a nineties indie song, doesn't yeah. It? But uh, so yeah, that, I guess that's you know similar to Pegasus. But uh, it's a commercial thing, so it's it's that's quite that's quite interesting, isn't it? Very interesting. I want to do a shout out. Here we go. I want to do a shout out to Jonathan Stroud. Oh yeah, yeah. Jonathan Stroud wrote a brilliant article on Medium about his favourite space podcasts. 
Get out of town. Uh, Don't Jamie, tell me he included us. He certainly did. I actually what? love I love the review of, of, of us on that. It's, what did uh, he say pretty, about us? Well, he pretty much sort of just basically said, if you want to listen to a couple of Brits riffing off about space, then this is the place. Because we're putting then the ace back into space. The interplanetary <laughs> podcast. Oh, no, that's amazing. Cheers, yeah. Jonathan. Cheers, Jonathan. That's really... I, I, things like that are gen- genuinely make make doing this pretty, you know, pretty cool. Thank you. Thank you very it's much. A lonely, it's a lonely job, It's isn't a it, lonely it? job, you know, but, but we've got... A, we've <laughs> when got a, we know that someone else is out there... It's like sometimes attention. we feel as though we're talking into the void. Like well, a, I guess like we a, are. Like a spaceman that's been ejected through the through the air vent. Matt, do you ever the... think about what your yes. autobiography would be called? I think it's going because to be I called... Because I think Small Rockets, Big Dreams might be a good one for either of us. Yeah, Small Rockets, Big Dreams. That's quite good, yeah. actually, yeah. I like to think of... My, I think my autobiography is going to be Matthew Russell, the modern-day Renaissance man. <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> what do you think? Oh, yeah, I quite like or, it. Or my favourite, named after my second solo album, Matthew Russell, Art Soul. <laughs> <laughs> I often thought that mine would be called Jamie Franklin. <laughs> uh, Sorry, I had to say that. Oh, no, that's genius. <laughs> Let's, please no. remember to edit that. Oh, and you'll ha- listeners, you'll have to find out. I'll probably release it when I'm 76, and then you'll know what that word was. What? Vita. V-I-T-A. Lovely Vita. Vita me. Uh, which, which is vitality, innovation, technology and ability. That's the oh, name yeah. of your autobiography, surely. Oh, well, there we go. That's it. Jamie Done. Franklin, Vita. I don't know why I had to beat that out before. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, what was wrong with yeah, that? No, it was mad, wasn't it? But, uh, uh, yeah, how, so that is the uh, the uh, mission up to the International Space Station that flew last week, just after the last I show. I love the ISS. I looked out my window the other day. Oh, yeah, it flew over, didn't I it? I saw the ISS going over, and it's it's just such a pleasure to watch that. It just blows my mind. When you tell people that there's... Six astronauts going there, over. There it is. There's six astronauts Wave. Just whizzing around. I'd, the next time, if if it was if it wasn't cloudy, I really want to do that thing of trying to take a picture of it because I've, yeah. I've noticed a lot of people on Twitter get some really good pictures of, and actually you can see the whole shape of it and everything. It's, send it's us crazy. your pictures, please. Yeah, we actually, that's, will that'd put be them fab. up on our blog. We will any pictures you send us. We'll oh, retweet. I'd love that. I, bet I, re- I'd love I retweeted that. Cosmic Carols as well because she was out in a. Go- I, I think oh, she's a bit of a nut when it comes I to uh, looking Cosmic at the Carol. ISS. So that's that's quite that's quite cool. Um, Carol, send us your top three. Yeah, send us the top three uh, ISS shots. Um, then we have. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I named them last week, didn't I? The, the people that are going up: Sergey Ryazansky, Randy Bresnik. Randy Bresnik's a, a legend as well. He's been he's been up on the space shuttle and all sorts of things. So well, anyone called Randy is a legend yeah, to start exactly. with, but he is especially. I think they call him. I think they call him Comrade as well. I think he's called. I think he's really? got yeah, Randolph James Comrade Bresnik. Awesome. Uh, there we go. So. That's pretty cool, isn't it? And he's uh, September the eleventh, nineteen sixty-seven. He was born. That's a long time ago. A little bit, a little amazing. bit, a little bit older than me, but almost the same birthday. Um, oh. Yeah. So uh, yeah, and and so yeah, they they they've flown up and and Vita 
it's a lot of it is around this guy Paolo, Paolo Angelo Nespoli from Milan, and he was born in 1957. Yes, folks, an astronaut who's 60, and he helped design That's the awesome. patch for this as well. And he's going up to meet Peggy Whitson, Jack Fisher, and Theodore Chickens. Uh, so it's um, so yeah, six six astronauts you would have seen as the ISS flew over, and it's those those six, all of them pretty legendary. It has they to be said. They basically are. Um, but I decided because of Paolo being like this vintage European uh, astronaut, we should uh, maybe make him astronaut of the week this week. Astronaut of, of the, the week. week. Uh, so That's Paolo, the I like it. Well, we're going to have to work on that. Yeah, they work on the old jingle front because uh, ex- oh, we've got some exciting news about that at the end of the podcast. We have. Yep. So Paolo Angelo Naspoli, born in Milan, is an Italian astronaut, an engineer who likes Andrea Bocelli. I noticed that he likes to have that oh, as yeah. his wake-up music. Um, oh. Uh, he joined the Italian army in 1977, when I was only six, for goodness sake. He received his bachelor's degree in engineering in 1988. Wow. And his master's degree in 1989. This guy is, this guy's so much better than you are, Jamie. And You don't know what I do in my spare time. You don't know what I do. You don't know about my crew. About my crew. <laughs> <laughs> to, oh, Lord. To, to his, Lord above. Due to his military background, he is also a master parachutist, parachute instructor, and a jump master, high-altitude, low-opening, and special forces operator. So he, Okay, that's pretty cool. But can we just go back to jump master? Yeah. What, what does that mean? I guess he means he he's the person that that says jump like that and everyone goes out. So he's like in charge of people being wow. Yeah, you know he's he's the it's man. Not when that he's a master at jumping. No, isn't like a basketball player or someone yeah. like Eddie Van Halen, who's the master at doing the jump solo. Jump. Love that song. Tune. It is a tune. In two thousand and seven, he went up on the space shuttle Discovery. As a mission specialist, STS-120, and installed that what the Harmony module went up with that, which is also from Turin. So uh, another Italian thing. The commander of the space shuttle that day was Pamela Melroy. Who worked, Pam? Who was the second female commander of a shuttle, and they were going up to the space station where they were going to meet none other than Peggy Whitson. The big... The first female commander. Who's... Notice anything? Peggy Whitson is on the International Space Station welcoming Paolo Nespoli. Exactly the same thing happened way back in 2007. So that's, you know, 10 years ago. They had pretty much exactly the same experience. So that must be really nice, I love that. First and second female commanders. Awesome. I've got a couple of cool facts about STS-120 on, as well. The, the uh, STS-120 originally had Piers Sellers, who was our um, astronaut of the week a yeah. couple of weeks ago. Well, it wasn't ours. It was actually Sarah Crudis's astronaut yeah. of the week. Uh, but, but due to the Columbia disaster, that was all changed. So uh, Piers Sellers lost his, uh, got bumped on a little bit. The coolest thing about the flight was Luke Skywalker's lightsaber from Return of the Jedi was on board. You serious? So they took it up to space and then brought it back down again, and now it's in a museum somewhere. That is sick, man. Imagine, imagine owning that. That'd be pretty cool. That would wouldn't be it? very cool. Uh, so he's been he's been up to the International Space Station 
in December 2010 mm. on a Soyuz TMA-20 spacecraft. And that was with uh, Katie Coleman, if you remember. She was ah, the yes. astronaut I met at that BIS I event a few remember. weeks ago. And he helped dock the ATV-2, Johannes Kepler. Uh, we've mentioned that vehicle on the show before because uh, um, that's the vehicle that they're now adapting to ah, turn the Orion, into the Orion yeah. serv- service module, the bit that David Baker was talking about last week about how unpleased Lockheed Martin are about all that. Yes. Uh, he also uh, grabbed the Japanese HTV-2 uh, uh craft as well so he's a he's a bit of an old dab hand at the old canada arm Just i'd imagine a bit, yeah uh, sadly though he, his mother died while he was on orbit oh uh, on the 4th of may oh Poor that's chap. not nice uh, but when he left the ISS on the 23rd of May, he was able to take the first picture of a space shuttle docked with the ISS from the perspective of a Russian Soyuz space. Amazing. We need to put that picture up. Yeah. And, and actually, he's, been, he's actually got the uh, title of Director of Photography on a film called First Orbit. That's um, awesome. Uh, because he filmed so much of the footage. Love that. So that, yeah. So, remember... Paolo Nespoli, fantastic Italian astronaut who turned 60 this year and is still a fully functioning, brilliant astronaut. Long may it continue, Paolo. Yeah, so uh, you're never too old to do anything. Absolutely. Paolo, you're the man. You the man. So... I think that's all we've got time for this week, Jamie. It is. So, uh, um, so we should, we should, we should uh, first, first of all, uh, uh, remind listeners to please go to iTunes, subscribe, subscribe leave a lovely review. A lot of you have, do- a yeah. lot of you have done that, and that's really, really great yeah, because now you. our reviews are showing because enough of people have reviewed that that people can see what people think about the yes, interplanetary podcast, exactly. which is great. Uh, and obviously, if you want to write an article uh, about uh, what your favourite space podcasts are, don't forget to mention us. Exactly. <laughs> which uh, which currently no one has, which is fantastic news. Exactly. Uh, and and on that news, we've decided that we're going to have a, a, a kind of brand new format for the interplanetary podcast. Yes. Uh, we're going to up the production values. We're going to change the format around. But in order to do that, we're going to have to go monthly. We're actually going to. So this we're actually is going to get new microphones. Yeah, new microphones. This is going to be. This is basically we're just upping the production values so that when people do tune in. They think this really is pro. You're no longer going to hear my washing machine dancing across the room at night. <laughs> We're actually going to be in a soundproof room with mics. Yeah. I mean, I tell you yeah. what, we are upping the game. And because it's monthly, upping the game. it means we're going to have interviews. We're going to really just smash it out of the park. We're going to smash it out of the park and it's going to be, it's going to be one of the greatest things. I think it'll go down as human humankind's pinnacle of achievement. Let's not forget that in three episodes' time, it's the big five up, yep. and people should get excited because we've got some special stuff planned. It, it, it's, it's, we will release more data about that as we get nearer, but it's definitely going to be interactive. It's going to involve all you lot, and maybe even an invited audience. How cool would that be? But we'll, we'll definitely do something very, very exciting uh, for our 50th episode. Not quite as exciting Absolutely as our will. 100th episode is going to be off the hook. Well, that will be in orbit, won't it? Yeah, the yeah, yeah, we'll do that. We'll do it in orbit. Do it in orbit. Yeah. So, 
Because, you know, if I know Richard Branson, he'll get back to me straight away. <laughs> totes, totes. Um, yeah. Well, no, yeah. Don't worry about that job, Jamie. I've got a sneaky suspicion that once they've... Because they've been busy, haven't they? With, with I just think maybe it's just gone into their junk. No, mail. I don't... I, th- I think they've got a pile of CVs... Yours is in there, and as soon as they're ready to it's start, at the as, top, yeah, isn't as it? soon as they start ready to, when they're ready to interview, they're going to go right. Let's get them in. They interview them, and you'll be a trolley, a trolley boy before you know it. You'll be, oh, it'll be so cool. Well, you'll be able to I do the standing wanna, there I don't doing your... brag. I don't want to brag, yeah. Matt, but I was the youngest ever supervisor at Costa Coffee's Gatwick Airport North Terminal. So if anyone has experience of serving tea and coffee in a busy environment. I think it's in a in a hostile environment. It's me. I think you can put that down as aviation experience. Aviation experience mixed with customer service, and I tell you what, the best goddamn mochaccino you'll ever taste. I so heard, I've if heard they that don't you. take me, they'll just be mugging themselves. Yeah. Well, you're clearly you at know? the top of the CV pile. Just don't worry about it, Jamie. Jamie, we have now extended the podcast way past our allotted time slot with your silly nonsense. It's the interplanetary podcast. Ding the ace. Back into space. space. Oh yeah, baby space. I'm going to say bye bye to the space cats out there, and thank you. Bye guys. Thank you so much and, for listening. Um, thank you as always. No, thank you. Genuinely. See you soon. Bye. Bye bye. Bye bye, space cats. <laughs> Au revoir. Au revoir. Bye.